And we're off another episode of In Defense of the Big 12. He's Brad Kellner in a happy, happy Austin, Texas. I'm Tyler McComas in a happy Norman, Oklahoma. And it's been the first week since week one where both Oklahoma and Texas could sit back after a Saturday and say, well, yeah, I'm pretty good. That, that wasn't that bad of a college football Saturday. Texas goes up to Stillwater, somehow beats Oklahoma State. OU goes out west to Lubbock and just kicks their ass. Oh my God! What what a what what a game that was. Mm. But now it, let, let, let's just start here, I guess, because it's it's funny amidst everything that's happening. Who's going to make it to the Big Twelve Championship is still a big question mark. There's like five teams that can still make it. We could still technically have an Oklahoma Texas rematch if both teams win win out. And I know that people think that it's way more likely Oklahoma does that than Texas, but. The biggest leg of that was done by UT by getting a win in Stillwater on Saturday. Yeah, that's a great point. And Texas pretty much controls its own destiny to get to Arlington, right? Now, at the moment, they need an Oklahoma loss or an Oklahoma State loss. But obviously, Bedlam hasn't happened yet. So they're guaranteed to get one of that. So Texas basically controls its own destiny to get to Arlington. And you're right. I mean, there's still a couple of tough games left on the schedule. Iowa State coming to town and then an early December regular season finale trip to Manhattan, Kansas, where I expect it to be very, very cold in conditions that uh, Texas players are not used to playing in. But yeah, I mean, the hardest leg is done. Going up to Stillwater, beating the sixth-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. What a bizarre, bizarre game. Uh, But Texas found a way to get it done. And all of a sudden, the conversations change a little bit, the narrative changing a little bit here in Austin And there's a little bit more optimism surrounding this program that maybe this season is not done yet. And maybe Tom Herman's tenure is not quite done yet either. Seriously, that win did that much for his job. I mean, he he beat a top 10 team. The program beat a top 10 team for the first time in 10 years. Nebraska was in the Big 12 the last time Texas has done that. So seriously, Texas fans all of a sudden are saying, "Mm, maybe this guy isn't so bad. Maybe he can stay around a little bit longer. Not, Not the majority of Texas fans. But there are Texas fans saying that. And Tyler, I mean, if Texas would have lost this game to Oklahoma State on Saturday, like regardless of how it looked, even if it was an overtime loss or if it was a 30-point blowout defeat, there was thought, and I had talked to some people behind the scenes that believed that Tom Herman would have been fired yesterday if they lost that game. So just in terms of that, for right now, I mean, you're not going to fire Tom Herman after a win. You're definitely not going to fire Tom Herman the week after a win over a top 10 program on the road, as you mentioned, for the first time since 2010. Now, I still think at minimum, Tom Herman has to go 7-3 and three to even have a chance to keep his job. And I think more realistically, Tom Herman has to find his way to Arlington to keep his job. So that would mean 8-2, and two, uh, and that's his only shot of being brought back for a year five. But just checking social media over the last couple of days, there's a, there's a little bit of confidence stemming from this Longhorn fan base that maybe that is realistic, right? You mentioned it. That's the hardest leg of the games they had left, and I'm still in wait-and-see mode, right? I mean, this team yeah. was vastly outplayed on Saturday. I mean, you look at every box score statistic except for one, and it looks like Oklahoma State won this game by three touchdowns. I mean, they nearly outgained Texas in yards two to one. They won the time of possession battle. Uh, Spencer Sanders threw for over 400 yards. They contained the Longhorns' rushing attack. The only statistic, the only category that you look at in the box score that explains why Texas won this game is the turnovers. Oklahoma State had four. Texas had zero. And when you're plus four in the turnover margin and you have a non-offensive touchdown like Texas did 
with that kickoff return touchdown from Deshaun Jameson, uh, you're going to win 99.9% of the time. Hell, most of the time you're going to win that game going away. Uh, for Texas, they needed overtime to find a way to get it done. But, yeah, I, I mean, Oklahoma State, I, I think that might be the bigger story here. Now, obviously, the, the job status of Tom Herman is a huge issue, and we've been yeah. talking about that a lot on this podcast. But for Oklahoma State, I mean, this was their time to get to their first conference title game in school history, and they just flat out laid an egg. I mean, to me, it, it's clear that they were probably the better team than Texas. They just couldn't hold on to the football. And honestly, Tyler, I would say they had five turnovers because on a fourth and 22, they had a roughing the punter penalty. So Which bad. extended the drive for Texas, which they so later bad. scored on. So, like, they shot themselves in the foot so many times. You brought it up last Thursday, right? Mike Gundy in big games. Sometimes his teams aren't ready. Now, it's usually against Bedlam, right? They usually wait until Oklahoma to play a game like that. But, man, they, they just uh, – they have to feel like one slipped away. And I know we're going to preview this weekend's games on Thursday, but – now Oklahoma State's got to go to Manhattan to take on Kansas State. So they go from number one in the Big 12, a great path to Arlington to the Big 12 title game, to now they might lose back-to-back games and be on the outside looking in. Total yards. Oklahoma State outgained Texas 530 to 287. Texas had 287 yards in this game and won. Spencer Sanders had 400 passing yards. Sam Ellinger just 169. First downs, Oklahoma State had 32 of them. Oklahoma State, or excuse me, Oklahoma State had 32 of them, Texas just 17. Yeah. And we coined it up here, the poke choke. Just when you think everything's going right, well, the poke choke is coming, okay? It's it's not a question of if it's coming. The question is, when is the poke choke coming? And this is a cl- classic example of that, you know? Like, people are, or at least were, having the legit conversations of, can this Oklahoma State team make the college football playoff? I mean, the path is there for them to make it, but can they navigate the schedule and make their first college football playoff ever? And maybe that's still on the table. I, I don't really think that that's the case if they went out, but losing to a Texas team at home that's in complete shambles right now is one of the more ultimate poke chokes that I think that we've seen in a long time. Texas had, and you'll agree with me, Texas had no business winning that football game. O- o- Oklahoma State, there were so many times where they have a they have a touchdown lead and they get the ball back, and you're kind of saying to yourself, all right, if OSU goes down and scores here, it's probably going to be a ball game. But give Texas credit. They hung around, hung around, hung around, and were able to make the plays late to put themselves in a, in a, in a spot to win this. And hate or love Texas, you, you really have to have a lot of respect for Sam Ellinger. I, I yeah. know that he didn't put up crazy numbers in this game, but when the game is on the line, man, I, I feel like more times than not, that that dude that dude comes through. The dude's a warrior, man, and he's bailed Tom Herman a lot over the last four years. And I know he wasn't great on Saturday statistically, but he's not working with a whole lot on offense. I mean, if you watch this game with the sound on, you heard uh, Brock Heward, who was doing color commentary for this game, like kind of nitpicking the wide receiver play all game long, and he's dead on. Like Texas's wide receivers don't get open. They do a horrible job against man coverage. We saw that in the Red River shootout a couple of weeks ago. The offensive line gave up more sacks than anybody in the Big 12 last year. They gave up five more sacks on Saturday, like outside of Sam Cosme, who's a first or second round pick in next year's NFL draft at left tackle. They've got none stuff on the offensive line. The running game continues to struggle uh outside of Sam Ellinger so yeah I mean look he he has regressed a little bit he really has he's not having his best year at the University of Texas but when this team needs plays made down the stretch 
he finds a way to get it done. And you look at Texas's two losses, right? I mean, he did so much down the stretch against Oklahoma to force overtime in that game. And then the yeah. game against TCU, Keontae Ingram doesn't fumble. Like Sam Ellinger leads a huge drive to get Texas down to the one-yard line. If Ingram doesn't fumble, then this Texas team's probably 5-1. and one. You look at the Texas Tech game as well, the massive comeback there. So it is a save-us-Sam Ellinger type of offense. Uh, and he's gotten it done in the clutch more often than not. So he he will be missed when his time at the University of Texas comes to an end, even with even if he can't win that elusive conference championship. By the way, In Defense of the Big 12 is sponsored by American Betting Experts. They are one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the United States. And we have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and you can pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. And we urge you to join us in the comments section as well. Should Tom Herman be fired or not after that loss? Is Oklahoma about to go on a roll and not lose another game this year? Mm. Whatever questions you got, fill it up in the comments section. And, and before we move on um, from Texas, Oklahoma State, there's like some interesting rumors that are out there on the internet. I, I don't know if you can verify those or not, but basically it's like, yeah, there's a sports talk radio host in Austin, Texas saying that Tom Herman was talking bad about Quinn Ewers behind his back to other people, and it's got back to the Quinn Ewers family, and that's one of the reasons why he decommitted. There's just there's all this smoke out there that Tom Herman is maybe not handling himself the best way on the recruiting trail right now. Yeah. What, what do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, that would be shocking if that were true, right? I mean, why would you do that? Tom Herman does has done some head-scratching things over his nearly four-year tenure here in Austin, but that would be by far and away the most head-scratching of them all. You've got the number one player in the country for the class of 2022. Your highest-rated recruit since Vince Young committed to play at your university. I have no idea why you'd be bad-mouthing him to other people, like to anybody. I mean, you should be praising that kid. I don't care if he's the worst kid in the entire world. I don't care if he talks back to every teacher I don't care if he talks back to every coach. If you're Tom Herman, you got to do whatever the hell you can yeah. to secure that commitment and make sure Quinn Ewers puts pen to paper when it is National Signing Day time next year. So if that's true, uh, that is is bizarre. And it's I want to mention one more offense is what it is. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, and the fireable offenses are mounting for Tom Herman. And once yeah. again, I don't think he's safe. He's safe for this week. I don't know if he's like long-term safe by any stretch of the imagination just because Texas got the win in Stillwater on Saturday. But I will mention this, and this is public, so I don't, I don't feel bad about saying this. I'm not going behind anybody's back mentioning this, and anybody can see this for themselves if they really want to. The athletics director at UT, Chris Del Conte, everybody knows that name, I think, at this point. Yeah. He is very, very active on social media, Tyler. And he is constantly tweeting when any Texas athletics program gets a win, he tweets a congratulations, right? I mean, football, basketball, volleyball, Texas volleyball is number one in the country right now. So whenever they win, he, he tweets like a congratulatory tweet to them. Uh, he, he's, he's very active on social media and he always tweets like a, a word of congratulatory or word of congrats, I think, uh, whenever a Texas program wins. 
No congratulatory tweet after the Baylor win. No congratulatory tweet after the Oklahoma State win. And once again, the first top 10 road win for Texas in the last 10 years. So that should tell you something, that Tom Herman is far from safe right now. And I think CDC is like not – he's trying to not piss anybody off, right? Yeah. He just figures silence is golden in this case. If I don't say anything, then no one's going to get on me and assume that I'm supporting him, and no one's going to get on me assuming that I'm not supporting him. So there's something right there. And I think that should be very telling, right? Uh, Once again, CDC is very active on Twitter. And the last two wins for Texas, he has not tweeted anything about the result. So that uh, I think that should tell you something right there. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Sometimes silence kind of says everything about yep. that. I mean that that's a, I mean that that might be outside of the OU win in 2018. That's probably the signature win for Tom Herman's career. And not to get like a hey, the boys played hard today. Nice win by the athletic director when he does that all the time. Yeah, that's that's pretty telling to me for sure. Oh, wow. How about what happened in Lubbock, Texas? Oklahoma starting <laughs> to that, get on a that, roll. Does that qualify as strange things? I mean, I, I know Texas I Tech guess. fans say it as like, oh, they almost pull off upsets or they do pull off upsets. But, damn, putting up, what was it, 48 points in the first half of that game? Ooh. I mean, I'll obviously give you the floor here, but I was doing post game for the Texas-Oklahoma State game. Uh, we were at Twin Peaks here in Austin, and we oh, had the OU-Texas oh. Tech game on. But I couldn't watch it intently at the time because I was doing post game. Dude, I swear, every time I turned to look at the TV, Oklahoma State was waltzing into the end zone for, or excuse me, Oklahoma was waltzing into the end zone for another touchdown. I mean, that thing was just a beatdown, and it got out of hand early. So they found out on Friday afternoon that Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson were going to finally get to play in a football game after 10 months of us dealing with all this BS. And... Lincoln Riley said the team was about ready to tear the room in half once they found out that those guys were going to be able to get to play. And wow, I mean, (laughs) what an effort. I mean, that was the best first half of OU football I've seen. I I can't even tell you how long. And and that's that's acknowledging that Tech on their first drive went right down the field and scored, and it was 7-0. It's like, okay, well, these dudes came ready to play. I think we got a good football game on our hands. But what Ramondre Stevenson gave you in the run game, he had three touchdowns on Saturday. Ronnie Perkins is like chasing down slot guys out in the open field. He just looked like he looked like somebody that hadn't played a football game in 10 months and really wanted to be out there. This is Saturday is what you saw as this team's true potential. And if that can be the norm, then it's pretty scary for everybody else in the Big 12 because that team that showed up on Saturday, if if that is the norm, they they won't lose again this year in conference and they'll win another Big 12 championship. Rattler was Rattler was great. Run game was great. Defense came up with three turnovers on Saturday. You just look at that game and you say, damn, like this this team can be really, really, really good when it puts it all together. So what do you think? I mean, a bye week, or excuse me, Kansas, well, a bye week. Kansas coming up this week, then a bye week, and then the Bedlam game. Uh, What's your confidence level and what's the, the confidence level around Sooner Nation? I mean, do they believe that, hey, this team is going to run the table and get back to Arlington to have a chance to win their sixth straight conference championship? Not only do they believe it's a foregone conclusion. Oh, wow. They're already booking tickets. No, I mean, yeah, seriously. I mean, it is. It's just like like I was doing postgame show for OU Tech the other night, and it's just kind of like, well, we're not going to lose again in the regular season. Like That's just not going to happen. And in OU fans' defense, I mean, they got to play Kansas, 
They got to play West Virginia and they got to play Baylor three out of their four last games. Those should be layup wins, right? Mm -hmm. The only question is, can they beat Oklahoma State Norman? And they always beat Oklahoma State Norman, especially if it's a big game. And this team is this team's rolling right now. You, you can just see that they've turned a corner. You, you can really see the offensive line is so much better than it was. The running game is there. Spencer Rattler, I, seemingly after he got benched against Texas, that that's like changed his whole career at, at this point, changed his whole season. So really just in all facets, they're playing well. They're playing complimentary football, which we're not accustomed to OU seeing. I am, uh, I'm really impressed with what this team is doing right now, man. They look really, really good. And, I just be I'd be surprised if they slow down this year. What do you What do you think is the biggest change? I mean, you mentioned what has changed, but like, what spearheaded that? Like, why all of a sudden? Because Oklahoma was seemingly trying to give that game away against Texas, right? Yeah. And, and before that, going into the Texas game, they couldn't play four quarters. They gave up big leads to K State. They gave up a lead to Iowa State, and it's like they were they were finding ways to lose instead of finding ways to win. I mean, is it just as simple as, okay, we beat our rival, and now let's go? Uh, you know, they had a bye after the Texas game, so maybe they were able to figure some stuff out. Like, what? why do you think all of a sudden, I mean, it seems like overnight Oklahoma went from, man, this team is just not very good, and they might lose three or four games this year, to, no, dude, this team is going to win the Big 12 once again. Run, game, offensive line. It's just crazy, like, how much a – good run game can mask some of the other issues that you have. And I mean, the ability to run the football now has taken a lot of pressure off of your redshirt freshman quarterback, Spencer Rattler. You know, I mean, the wide receiver position has gotten a whole lot better and that's helped too. But when Rattler doesn't get protection and against like Kansas state and Iowa state, he was getting pressured all the time. So you mix a young quarterback that's not getting help with his run game, not getting great pass protection and getting a whole bunch of receivers that aren't doing a good good enough job separating, like, what did we think was going to happen? Of course he's going to struggle at times and, and turn the ball over in key moments, but that's flipped. The pass protection and the run blocking is there. The run game is open, and it's just opened up so much more of this offense that I, I think that that's really been the, the cure-all for them right now. What would you think of uh, the undershirt for Ramondre Stevenson? I thought that was B.A. is what I thought. That was yep. all. I did too. I did too. And I think, uh, honestly, look, the run game's been huge, but something to watch moving forward, the three takeaways for the Oklahoma defense, right? I mean, that's what y'all have wanted to see from Alex Grinch, and that's what he promised when he took that job a couple of years ago. If that can continue, I mean, hell, you've got a chance to really build some confidence in all facets against Kansas this week, then a bye week to prepare for that Bedlam game. Uh, this team could be firing on all cylinders going into going into the bedlam here in a couple of weeks, and that's a very, very scary thought for Oklahoma State. And as you mentioned, a, uh, a scary thought for the other nine teams in this league, too. Here's a fun fact for you. The, t- <clears throat> the Texas Tech meat judging team has more national championships than the Texas Tech football team has bowl wins oh. since the football team was formed in 1925. The Texas Tech meat judging team has 15 national championships. Wow. Yo. And Texas Tech only has 14 bowl wins. Dude, do we need to stop talking football and start talking meat yes. judging? Yes. How does that even work? How do you how do you win a meat judging championship? Like I get how you win the cook-off by making the meat. Whoever has the best meat, they're gonna win. How do you win the judging part of this? Remember um in the movie Napoleon Dynamite when he's in 
what is he an FFA and he's like judging the milk, you know? Yeah. That yeah, part? yeah. It's basically the same thing, but with oh meat judging. I, think. I mean, that's the most Lubbock thing I think I've ever heard in my entire life. Like how many meat judging teams are there in college sports? Is that even an NCAA? I know, I know Oklahoma state has one, which no, of, of course. course Oklahoma state has one. You <laughs> know that Kansas state has one too. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, those are tech, the teams. tech, Oklahoma state and Kansas state are basically the same schools, just yep. in a different area of, the country. That's very well said right there, sir. And, and we should have brought this up at the beginning. I think we kind of implied it when we were talking Texas and Oklahoma State, but feels like this conference is done in terms of the college football playoff picture, right? I mean, I saw the yeah. ESPN FPI percentage. Uh, Oklahoma State still has the best shot to make the playoff in this league, understandably so. They only have one loss, and it's not a terrible loss. It's not a great loss, but not a terrible loss. But uh, ESPN gives them a 2.5 percent chance to make the college football playoff so obviously the pokes need to win out they need to win this league and they're going to need some help around the college football landscape but yeah it felt like uh, osu was this league's only hope to find a team in the final four in 2020 and uh, those hopes are probably dashed with what took place over the weekend so going to be a little tougher to defend the big 12 as our namesake of this podcast states tyler yeah uh, you want to get some, to some comments here? We got a few to get to. Yeah, yeah, we'll go. Uh, that is so Big Twelve. Ha 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 ha! That is so Big Twelve coming from an ACC guy. This is a family show, right? Uh, depends on the day, to be honest with you. Depends <laughs> yeah. on how upset we are. Yeah, the if, uh, cool, if OU and Texas get destroyed uh, Saturday, this is not a family show. It is not a family show at all. But Hey, they both won, so I think that today's show probably is. And then I'll put uh, I'll put this one up from here. By the way, I haven't seen the ba ha 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 since I was uh, texting chicks back in high school. Back in the day, you know what I mean? I haven't I haven't seen that one in a Come while. On, no need to rag on the ba ha 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 was still around. You know, the guys watching the podcast, he's supporting, he's commenting. You're gonna put him on glass. <laughs> Where's the deal, dude? Uh, you want to take this one? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jay Valai is the cornerbacks coach at Texas. Herb Hand, the offensive line coach at Texas. Uh, the question is, are they on as hot of a seat as Tom Herman? Look, it, Tom Herman's on the hottest seat of all, right? Like Tom Herman already used his get-out-of-jail-free card in terms of his coaching staff this past offseason, bringing in seven new assistant coaches, bringing in two new coordinators. They're not letting Tom Herman make any more changes with any of his coaches, unless he like really turns things around this year and is here for a couple of more years. Uh, so no, I mean, I, I guess actually the answer is yes, because if Tom Herman gets fired, those guys are out of work too. Staff will be right. Yeah. So I guess the hot seats are the exact same for all of the coaches on the Longhorn staff right now, but obviously it, it depends on Tom Herman. If Tom Herman's brought back, then uh, I assume everybody else on his coaching staff is, is likely to be brought back too. But if Tom Herman loses another game or two and loses his job, then Jay Valai, Herb Hand, and everybody else on staff is uh, is gone as well. Jig's dad says, uh, "Love your show, boys. We uh, we appreciate that. Yes, we sir. appreciate you taking this out. We appreciate the comments. Seriously. Yeah. So keep the comments rolling. We absolutely love it." Um, speaking of rolling, geez, that's what West Virginia did to Kansas State on Saturday. And we we were sitting here on Thursday saying, "Why is West Virginia an outright favorite? Why are they a three point favorite?" And then I look on Friday night, and the spread gets all the way up to five and a half. And I'm like, what is, what's going on here? I mean, what, what am I missing? I missed it all because, West, I mean, West Virginia just took K-State to the woodshed, and all of a sudden now it's like, gosh, is K-State going to lose like three out of their next four? What's going to happen to them? I, 
they they could be in free fall mode after this one. The old cast. yeah, freshman quarterback on the road, and Will Howard had passed every test to this point. Now he'd only played a couple of games, right? And that was only his second start since taking over for Skylar Thompson. But he had played really well to that point, and he looked like a, a freshman on the road in a relatively hostile environment. His decision making wasn't terrible, but yeah. his throws were just off. I mean, he was just inaccurate, and that led to. Uh, three interceptions. West Virginia dropped another two, I think. So it could have been worse than that for Will Howard. He looked out of sorts. And I'll give West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia's defense is the best part of the team. They didn't play great against Texas Tech and Lubbock last week. But for the most part, week in and week out, the Mountaineers defense has been consistently good here in 2020. They showed up. And look, if you're K-State, we know how they want to win, right? right? With the rushing game. And with defense, that was the case with Skylar Thompson, who's a senior. That sure as hell is going to be the case with Will Howard as a freshman. Uh, Kansas State on the ground couldn't get anything going. I mean, their leading rusher, Deuce Vaughn, who's had a hell of a season, 22 yards, averaged less than two and a half yards per carry. The Stills brothers were great. Uh, The West Virginia linebackers have been pretty good as well. And, you know, this was a weird game. It was three to three early in the second quarter. And it kind of felt like a type of game K-State would want. But then West Virginia just opened the floodgates, right? I think 21 unanswered uh, in that second quarter. And, I mean, they just broke it open right there. And Kansas State could never get anything going offensively. Like, that's that's West Virginia's blueprint right there. Their offense isn't good enough to get them a lead week in and week out. But if you can give that defense a lead, then they're going to have a shot to be just about anybody because that defense is really, really good. So, yeah, I was wrong on this. I thought K-State would not only cover the four to five to five and a half, whatever the hell it ended up as. I thought they'd win this game because they had just been playing really well. They look really, really well coached under Chris Kleiman, but they got absolutely taken to the woodshed by West Virginia this weekend. And now West Virginia comes to Austin, Texas, and all of a sudden that game seems a little bit more interesting because of what the Mountaineers did on Saturday. I would not bet on this happening, but there is a scenario where Kansas State loses its last five games to end the season. They have already have one at West Virginia. They play Oklahoma State at home this week, but they're a 10.5-point underdog How about on their own field. How about that, man? Then they got to go to Iowa State. Then they got to go to Baylor. Then they got to play a Texas team at home to where who knows if they're playing better football or not in early December. So, again, I wouldn't bet on them. Losing five in a row, but I may be talked into them losing four out of their next four out of their last five, something like that. How about that? Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, boy, that line against Oklahoma State—that is shocking. Yeah, man. That is shocking right there. Uh, Baylor's really bad. K State's going to win that game, even though it's in Waco. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting that Texas game at the end of the year. Maybe it has Big Twelve title implications. Maybe it means absolutely nothing. Hell, maybe Texas has an interim coach at the time of that game, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, K-State, boy, they they they, uh, they took care of business early on, but uh, that was a tough one on Saturday, and you're right, man. The way they looked this past weekend, it's hard to think that they are going to find a way to run the table or even lose only one game the rest of the way if they get that type of offensive performance. So give credit to West Virginia, man. Uh, Daigie, I think Jared Daigie has the longest active streak of passing games with a touchdown in all of college football, not just in this conference, in the entire country, which was really weird. Like watching this game on Saturday, I saw that stat fly up across the screen. So I don't think anybody views him as elite. I don't know if anybody even views him as like a top half of the Big 12 quarterback, but, you know, he's a he's a consistent player, and he played really, really well on Saturday. The running game, Letty Brown, one of the best in this conference. Man, this league has some good running backs. Yeah, it does, man. It, it really does. 
Uh, Letty Brown, another 100-yard game for him. Sinkfield is really, really solid as well. That's a nice one-two punch. A big win for the Mountaineers. I mean, they're not playing for a ton this year, but, uh, you know, they're 4-2 and two right now. I guess technically they're still sort of in the mix for the conference championship. I don't think anyone thinks that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, that's what you're looking for, I think, as a Mountaineers fan, right? Year two of Neil Brown, you want to see some strides to give you some confidence moving forward. And I think uh, Saturday was a big step in that direction. I didn't watch one down of Iowa State and KU because I didn't need to watch one down of Iowa State, KU. I knew it was going to happen before they kicked the thing off. Iowa State wins by 30. Who cares? Whatever. They look good. Mm. They move on. I'm hurt, man. Kansas fought in this game. Mm. They fought in this game. It was only a 13-point game at halftime. All right. They were there. Uh, And they almost covered, covered the spread. Which you like you like little Daniel weird. Highshaw, by the way. He was uh, he went to high school right up the road from me in uh, Moore, Oklahoma. Called a few of his games. Yeah, Deuce, Deuce is his nickname. Deuce Highshaw. There you go. We got a couple of Deuces in this league. Yeah, scored a touchdown. Right, his first career touchdown at KU. That was good to see. Uh, Daniels, I thought, played decently well at quarterback. You know, the stats aren't great, but he might have played the best game a quarter a KU quarterback has played this year and he went 16 of 29 for 165 yards zero touchdowns and one interception did have a rushing touchdown but I, I think he's your guy moving forward we saw Kendrick play a little bit late but I, I assume that's just because the game was in hand and uh, I fully expect Daniels to get the start next week for KU too so that was good to see uh, I'm gonna play bitter Kansas fan card here don't love Iowa State I mean it's it's like the whole team had money on this on the game on the spread, yeah. minus 28, because they're up. The game's in hand. Now, they've got their backup quarterback in, so I guess you can't complain too much, but they're taking deep shots down the field in the final two minutes of a of a four-possession game. thought that was a little bit weak, but now I'm turning into an old man, get off my lawn, guys, so whatever. If you want to stop them, then stop them. Keep them out of your end zone. 30-yard bomb with 214 left. Yeah, yeah and it was a deep left. shot. It wasn't like a, a catch and run. It wasn't a screen. It was like a, a deep fade. Uh, in one-on-one coverage, I thought that was a little bit lowbrow, but you know, whatever. It's it's Kansas. I, I, I guess that's what I have to talk about with this team. But you're right. I mean, it, you don't have to talk about this one too much. Iowa State did what they were supposed to do. They took care of business and uh, they kept their kind of slim, but they kept their Big Twelve title hopes alive. One of the more shocking things that happened in the conference this weekend, maybe the most shocking, is the fact that TCU was good enough to have a 30 to nothing lead on somebody. And yeah, hmm. it was just Baylor, whatever, but it's midway through the second quarter, and you're like, whoa, TCU is like boat racing somebody. So I turned my attention away from that because I don't need to pay attention to TCU and Baylor. And then I turn it back, and all of a sudden it's 33 23. Baylor's made a run at this thing, and with 10 minutes left, they're only down 10. Nobody scores the remaining 10 and a half minutes of that football game. And TCU ends up winning in a game that really didn't mean a whole lot. But you, you did have a back and forth game where TCU takes a massive lead. And then Baylor, still playing hard, at least tried to come back and make that one interesting. Yeah, no real surprise for me. Um, you know, on the show on Friday, like that was sort of my lock of the week in all of college football was TCU minus two and a half. Now, I didn't think they'd be up 30 to nothing against Baylor, but. Baylor's just not very good, man. Yeah, I mean, they've been decimated by COVID. They've had a couple of key pieces opt out. Uh, you know, they, they played Texas relatively well, I guess, last week. They made things kind of interesting in Austin. But, I mean, I saw just a really, really bad football team, and I figured TCU coming off of a losing streak, I know they're not very good either, but they needed to get back on track. I figured that was an opportunity for them to do so. So, uh, yeah, I didn't see 30 to nothing coming. I didn't see 33-7 to coming, which was the score at one point in the third quarter. 
But uh, I figured they would take care of business relatively easily against Baylor because Baylor is just uh, not very good. Uh, We'll talk a whole lot more about the upcoming games on Thursday, but let's just kind of at least preview what's coming up this Saturday. Oklahoma and Kansas, OU's listed as a 38-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, OU should cover the 38-and-a-half there, man. Yeah, it sort of feels that way. And I wouldn't be surprised if that line goes up throughout the course of the I think week, it will. right? goes into the 40s. Uh, Kansas is really, really bad. And Oklahoma is playing their best football, as we talked about earlier. So, yeah, that one should get out of hand. Now, Kansas has kind of given Oklahoma, I don't want to say like close games, but like in terms of close to the Vegas line type of games. But usually it's Puka Williams, right? Who keeps. Oh, yeah. Puka Williams' last two games against Oklahoma, he's like went off. But. He's but yeah, you know, you don't have Puka Williams, which is like the only hope Kansas has against anybody to at least keep things interesting. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I expect OU to win and, and win by 40 plus this weekend. 19th ranked Oklahoma this week, by the way. And there you then go. You 22nd ranked. I saw Texas was ranked yesterday and I was like, wait, what? We're back, I mean, they baby. are four and two. They did just beat a top 10 team. So they are deserving of a, they're deserving a top 25 ranking, but we've just been talking about for three weeks now how bad the situation is at Texas and their coach is about to get fired. So I I don't know. I, I didn't think about it, I guess. And it was just weird to just be like, whoa, they have a they have a number beside their name again. I just did yeah. not expect that to happen. But I mean, I mean, Texas is a couple of plays away from being six and oh, but they're also a couple of plays away from being two and four. Right. right, you got to play both ends of the spectrum yeah. there. So, right, the heartbreaker against TCU, if Ingram doesn't fumble that ball at the one-yard line, that's a win. Uh, the Oklahoma game could have gone either way. I mean, any game that goes to four overtimes could have gone either way. So you make a couple of more plays in those two games, then Texas is top five in the country right now at 6-0. and But then you flip things around. You look at the game in Lubbock when you're down by 15 points with three minutes to go. Probably should have lost that one. And then, obviously, this game against Oklahoma State this past weekend, Oklahoma State four turnovers, in essence five, because of the roughing the punter penalty they had to extend a drive. Uh, You know, that's a game Texas could have easily lost, probably should have lost too. So, yeah, I mean, that's been a staple of the Tom Herman era, man. We talk about it. Like, Texas plays to its competition. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But every game is going to be interesting. And I saw uh, Fox show this stat on the broadcast uh, on Saturday. Texas has played since 2018. Texas has played in 20 games now, decided by eight points or less. That's more than anybody in college football. Wow. Well, um, they're 12 and eight in those games. So, you know, not you know, not terrible, not great, but like that's what you're going to get from Texas. They play close games because they play to their competition, whether it's up or down, every single week. Well, that, that the spread is inside that number. The spread is seven and a half. Um, a little bit lower than I guess I thought it'd be for whatever reason. I thought it'd be closer to ten. Texas minus seven and a half against West Virginia at home. I feel really good about UT winning this game this weekend, and I feel good about them winning by double digits. They probably should, right? I mean, I think the talent gap between these two teams is enough to give Texas a double digit. Victory. I mean, West Virginia just went on the road and lost to Tech. Yeah, like nine days ago. You so. know, the, 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 another thing that was a stutter right there. What's going on here? Am I drunk? What time is it? Uh, another thing Monday, baby. that has been a, uh, you know, a a staple of the Tom Herman era is whenever this team experiences a little bit of success, they let it get to their heads and they yeah. blow it. I mean, you go back to year one of the Tom Herman era, 
They go on the road to Morgantown. They beat West Virginia, the game in which Will Greer's pinky was turned in eight different directions. Oh, gross. Uh, but they, they, they clinch bowl eligibility for the first time in a while. And everything's good. They're going home to take on Texas Tech the day after Thanksgiving, a Tech team that is ready to fire Cliff Kingsbury with a loss, and Texas lays an egg. Right? They lose that game at home, at home to McLean Carter and Nick Shimanek in Texas Tech. Right. That's who, who was the guy. Who was the guy that Tech had? He's like five foot six. He he was. He, did he play for the? No, Kiki Cutie plays for the Texans. Who who did Tech have? The little bitty guy that oh, was. Jakeem, so was it Jakeem Grant? Yes, Jakeem Grant. Yeah. That's who it was. He had a kickoff yeah. return touchdown for uh, the yeah. Dolphins. I mean, that guy's having a great pro career. He's, he's fun to watch. Fun kid to root for too. But you've got that, and there's plenty of examples. I'll give you one this year: the game in Lubbock against Texas. Like that should not have been a positive moment for Texas. Like as an 18-point favorite, needing a 15-point comeback in the last three minutes and overtime to beat Texas Tech. Are you kidding me? Like that should have been, dude, we suck. Like we got some work to do. Yeah. But Texas viewed that as a little bit of a success, huge comeback win against a kind of rival, whatever. And then the next week they lay an egg against TCU. So like that, that just happens, right? Anytime this team experiences some sort of success, for some reason, it gets to their heads and they start to blow it. So you got to keep that in mind. I'm with you. I think Texas will win this game on Saturday against West Virginia because I think they're better than West Virginia. But there are a couple of trends that tell you that this game is going to be uh, a lot closer than it should, and I wouldn't count out West Virginia altogether. Hey, don't forget to take advantage of our special gaming offers from American betting experts. Just go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and pick among the gaming sites legal in your state. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. We appreciate our sponsor, American Betting Experts. Harrison has got a uh, Texas-West Virginia question, if you want to take that one. Yeah, are you not worried about West Virginia having a field day with the secondary, especially if Josh Thompson doesn't play? Um, You know, the, the Texas corners are not good. They're not good at all, and they have not gotten better as this season has progressed. Right. I mean, the biggest weakness going into the year for this Texas defense on paper was the linebackers. Do I think those guys are that good? No, but they've gotten better as the season has progressed. They being Juwan Mitchell and DeMarvion Overshare and the two starting linebackers for this football team. The cornerbacks have not gotten better at all. And, uh, you know, they got worked by Spencer Sanders on Saturday. I know they had an interception, a nice play made by Jalen Green, but. You know, Tyler Wallace, for the second time in his career, had a field day against the Longhorns. Anytime they threw the ball his way, it was either a catch or a pass interference. And the Longhorn corners are doing the same things they've done over the last few years, right? They, When the ball's in the air, they just panic. They don't turn around. They get handsy. And they don't make plays on the football. Like that That's a bad combination of things right there. So it leads to a lot of big plays and a lot of pass interference penalties, against the Longhorns. I think the safeties are, are very, very good, right? You're getting good play from Chris Brown, from Caden Stearns, and from B.J. Foster. Are they perfect? No, but they have been solid this year. But the cornerbacks have not given you a whole lot. And Josh Thompson is this team's number one corner. He struggled at times on Saturday, but he left in the second half. And once he left, Oklahoma State went to Tylen Wallace uh, against Jalen Green pretty much over and over and over again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm a little bit worried. West Virginia's passing offense is not as good as Oklahoma State's. Uh, you know, Jared Dagey is, is close. Yeah, he might have a better arm 
and he makes better decisions than Spencer Sanders. But I, don't I think mean, surely he makes better decisions. Yeah. Spencer Sanders yeah, is a turnover machine, dude. But you know, he doesn't he doesn't bring that dual threat ability that Spencer Sanders brings to the table. So like, I, I don't know if he's really better than Spencer Sanders. But the wide receivers for West Virginia are not as good as the wide receivers for Oklahoma State. So that should help Texas a little bit. They don't have a Tylen Wallace. I know Sam James is pretty good. They've got a couple of decent wide receivers on the outside for the Mountaineers this year, but. Uh, you're not going to have to go up against a Tylen Wallace, a Braden Johnson, and a Dylan Stoner type of crew this week. So do I feel great about the Texas corners? No, but I feel good because they're playing a weaker wide receiving core and a weaker passing offense this weekend. Spencer Sanders in 13 and a half games. He has 14 interceptions and 10 fumbles. So uh, that's that's 10 fumbles, 10 fumbles lost or 10 fumbles? I think just 10 fumbles. Okay. I mean, most of them are lost. I would, I would guess. Yeah. Uh, I had the stats last week, but I'm not going to look it up. We're almost done. I'm tired. Uh, yeah, same here. But I'll, I'll end on this. Not who has the best record, okay? Not who has the best resume today, right now. Who's the best team in the conference? Oh God. Um, just say it. I know you want to say it. I know no, you want to say no, it. No, I just don't want to say it. You know, I don't want to say it. It feels so good if you just say it. No. You know, I'm going to go with the team that beat Oklahoma a couple of weeks oh, ago. God. I'm going to go with Iowa State. Okay. I'm going to go yeah. with Iowa State, the Cyclones. Only loss in conference play on the road against Oklahoma State by three. I'm going to go with the Cyclones. I know who you want me to say, but who you want me to say lost to the team I'm saying. All right. Yeah. Okay. You're right. It's not Oklahoma. It's not. They're not I mean, if they, if they played again this weekend, I'm not, you know. I don't know you if see, I think, even just NCC guys even saying Oklahoma in the comments section. All right, <laughs> uh, of course. I mean, come on, it, it's not the way we expected, right? We didn't expect Oklahoma to drop its first two games in conference play, but I picked the Sooners to win this league going into the year, uh, and uh, you know, I, I didn't think it would take this long into the season to where it was relatively obvious that Oklahoma was the best team in this league. But I think right now. You got to feel like Oklahoma is the best team in this league. And Iowa State's the team with an argument. And I know if there are any Cyclones fans watching, uh, they'd be ticked off because they beat Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago. But man, I, I don't know on a neutral field if you lined up any of these teams against Oklahoma. I don't know how you'd pick any of them to beat Oklahoma yeah. the way they've looked over the past couple of weeks. By the way, prayers up to the family of Billy Tubbs. Billy Tubbs unfortunately passed away yesterday. The greatest head basketball coach in Oklahoma history and one of the greatest basketball coaches that we've seen in Big 12 history as well. 1988 national runner-ups. They had beaten Kansas twice earlier mm. that season, lost to Kansas in the national championship game. That will always be the one that got away for OU. But yep. Billy Tubbs coached at Oklahoma, had his best years there, and then he even coached at TCU later on in his life. So uh, prayers up to him. He was he was awesome. He was mm -hmm. he was He was one of the best, man, for sure. Billy Tubbs and Kelvin Sampson. That's how the ranking goes for Oklahoma basketball coaches. There you go. Who, uh, I mean, Billy Tubbs was clean at least, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, okay. Kelvin, maybe not so yeah. much. Yeah, 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 Kelvin's doing a great job at Houston. Um, very impressive. Also doing a great job staying out of trouble somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, that's impressive too. Yeah, he uh, he kind of sabotaged the Indiana basketball program. We're, but hey, we're we're getting close to basketball season, man. I mean, I know we're all Texas was picked. Fourth in the conference this year. We're we're all about we're all about football on this podcast. But man, this is going to be a fun league to watch. It, it always is fun, right? Yeah. And you can talk all the trash you want about the Big Twelve and football too. The Big Twelve and basketball is damn good. And Ken Palm last year 
uh, two years ago had the Big 12 as the best conference in college basketball. Like more often than not, they are right there at the top for best leagues in this sport. And this year, I think you can make a strong case for four teams to win this league this season. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, it gets going in less than a month, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. All right, that'll do it for us. We're out of here. Join us Thursday right here on Twitch, 10 a.m. Central Time. Until then, he's Brad Keller. I'm Tyler McComas. We are in defense of the Big 12.